As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he so shimmied after shots went through. And I take us follow me! Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, and we are coming to you after the Celtics... Wonderful nine-game winning streak has come to an end after a loss against the Detroit Pistons in, frankly, what was a pretty amusing game just because uh, Kelly Olenek, um, you know, Kelly Olenek revenge game. I think that's just got to be generally amusing to folks. And this was a type of loss that I think earlier in the season uh, Celtics fans would have flipped out about, but something about a nine-game winning streak and generally... Uh, turning the season around, uh, you know, you, you don't fret. You don't, uh, you're not as upset about losses like this. Jay, what was your reaction to both, uh, I guess, the, the loss to Detroit? And then it was coming off the second night of a back-to-back, uh, just a absolute molly whopping of the Philadelphia 76ers. A real roller coaster of emotions over the past two games for the Celtics. Yeah, and after we talk about these, I think we should probably just go back through the first half of the season, even though it's not the first half of the season, but the pre-All-Star break portion of the season and just take a a bigger picture view of what's going on with the Celtics, um, what has gone on with the Celtics and everything they've gone through to get to this point. But yeah, I mean, obviously the the Philly game was just just a good old-fashioned molly whopping. They destroyed the Sixers from the start. The starters were jumped all over the 76ers Aaron Neesmith got involved it was just I mean Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were up on the entire 76ers team until like a minute left in the third quarter which is the third time they've done that in the last month or so which is crazy um but also just as good as that was, the Detroit game was was bad. And the Pistons hit a, a lot of tough shots lately. The Jeremy Grant one stands out as a shot 
that was like a what 15 20% shot probably the way it was defended the way he took it but the Celt- like earlier in the game Celtics left left guys wide open and i thought that that was it seemed certainly like the last game before the break they kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit they ha- they didn't have two starters but that 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 seemed like an effort. It was like, all right, I I want to be in the Dominican Republic in a day. I want to be in Turks and Caicos, spending the the All Star break right, instead of finishing off the the lowly Pistons first. Yeah, it felt like a a, a big lapse on the defensive end because actually the Celtics on the offensive end, the ball movement was still pretty good. The three point shooting was still pretty good. They were forty percent from three. Finished the game with twenty nine assists. I do think not having Marcus Smart. And uh, Robert Williams out there it does kind of have a big impact just because you look at the numbers when they have Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown all healthy. I think there's something like I think they're 13 and one in their last 14 and then 20 and nine on the season when they have all of those guys in the same game. Like having that health, I think, has been one of the major keys for this kind of recent winning streak. And so you give them a little bit of leeway for that uh i guess not having them because i mean grant williams as well as grant williams playing as many threes as he was able to knock down um how many did he make four for seven against the pistons he still played 41 minutes um in that game and grant williams has made huge strides as a player this year i don't know if he's a a a 40 plus minute Per night kind of guy. I don't know. He if was that's... hitting. He was hitting some confident shots. though. <laughs> he he's shooting with more confidence than I've ever seen him shoot in his entire career, um, which is fantastic. And it was a it was a Grant Williams Kelly Olynyk shootout there for moments in the early fourth quarter. Can, can we also talk about one other Grant Williams trend? It's not even a trend. It's more like a personality trait at this point. That man bitches toward officials <laughs> as much as anyone in the league. There was one play, I uh, I forget when it was or exactly what happened, but he wasn't even in the game, and and then a timeout came, and he he's out there in the ref's mug, like like just going over whatever he thought was wrong about a recent call. That man never stops. Like he he might complain to the refs as much as anyone in the league. I've I I never thought Grant Williams would be that guy. Maybe he's always been this guy, and I never really noticed. But man, he uh, he does a lot of bitching, a lot of it's, bitching. It's the burden of having such a high intellect. I mean, this guy could have gone to Harvard. His mom was a NASA scientist. He knows he's right, and he feels like it's his civic duty to let the officials know that they are incorrectly interpreting the rules. And so, um, I don't fault Grant at all, but it is it is kind of shocking because like it feels like Tatum. Certainly bitches the officials a lot, but that's also because Tatum has the ball a lot and is like constantly going to the basket. Grant, for all of his uh, all of his uh, referee jibber jabber, has actually done a much better job of not fouling, and so it's just interesting. Like I feel like Marcus Smart does a lot of talking to the officials, just, but he's like earned it. I don't know where Grant kind of believes that he's gotten this. Uh, he never gets technicals though, so he must do a good job of like staying within the line having civil conversations but man that is a constant discussion with referees and Grant Williams. 
He might just be asking them about their day sometimes, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he just has like a very demonstrative face where it's like no, other players say stuff under their breath, but Grant's just very, very expressive, and that's why. But Yeah, he's like, Tony, how's your kid doing? <laughs> Grant, I mean, Grant's very personable. It could be the case. Um, I think the thing that it's hard to assess, it might be actually a good time for the Celtics to be heading into the All-Star break just considering – uh, the injuries. I mean, Marcus Smart twisted his ankle. Looked to be pretty bad in that game against the Philadelphia 76ers. He limped off, but then he was only listed as doubtful in the um, injury report for the Pistons game. I guess Rob Williams is a, is a little bit banged up, I, so it might be a good time for them to rest. I was surprised to see Marcus Smart just listed as doubtful because it, that ankle injury looked pretty bad initially on Tuesday night. Yeah, it did. Uh so, like you said, it's perfect timing for it because the Celtics get a week week off until they play the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but yeah, it, it, when it happened, just the way Smart reacted, how he had to limp off or how be helped off the court, how he limped back on to shoot the free throws, it all looked bad. Um, but it sounds like it's not too bad. He was listed as doubtful. Sounds like he and Robert Williams, if they're not back for the first game after the break, should be back shortly after that. So that, that's all good news for the Celtics. Um, yeah, that I thought for sure it was going to be like a pretty serious ankle sprain based on the way Smart reacted. And it, it didn't hurt them as much in that 76ers game, mostly because they were already up 20 and Derek White could fill in. But um, it felt like it did kind of hurt them defensively uh, in the Pistons game. The thing that's interesting about the last two games is we've gotten some more just minutes for guys on the bench. It's uh, a blowout has forced uh, Ime to kind of deepen the bench in against the 76ers. And then the injuries uh, just forced – he's still st- stuck to his eight-man rotation, but we got a lot more minutes from uh, Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. Neesmith in uh, that Philadelphia 76ers game scored 18 points in 23 minutes – did not have the same exact output um, against the uh, Detroit Pistons, but I know we got uh, someone maybe who's, who's dying to talk about this Aaron Neesmith performance, uh, and that's going to be uh, my main man, Richard, down in South Carolina. Richard, how you doing? Hey, guys. How we doing? Good, What's Richard. What's up, Richard? Our official Aaron Neesmith correspondent. Yes, yes. How about the um... – now I gotta admit, I was watching a couple different games last night. And I didn't, I didn't get to see. I saw his box score, so I have to ask you. He only took four shots. Was it because he was focusing on his stellar defense, or was he as bad as everybody else last night? Offensively, they were actually pretty good. Um, the, it, things bogged down in the fourth quarter. There was definitely some ISO in the fourth quarter, as you can imagine. It was not Aaron doing the ISOing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it wasn't like a a bad showing by Aaron. It was more like there wasn't too much from him, except there was one fast break with Grant Williams that was pretty adventurous. He he made a good pass to Grant. I think Grant botched the layup. Aaron 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 found the rebound, put it back in, which was key. It was in the fourth quarter um, while the Celtics were coming back. So yeah, it it was it wasn't a bad Aaron night. It just wasn't a big Aaron night. So, true story. 
I, I, I talked to Aaron um, before the Sixers game, and the day before, and I said, look, man, you're not going to play. I forget your game. You're not going to play before. You're going to play the Sixers. Tom McGinnis, you just did a radio with him there. My good friend, he's got you teed up. If you hit your first three, you are going to be the post-game interview. <laughs> I literally sent him that text two hours before the game, whatever. And then McGinnis, um, McGinnis instru- informed when he hit the three. I said, Tom, you got to grab him. I don't care who scores 80 points. I promise. <laughs> he said, Richard, that is great, but we don't do post-game interviews. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. But, no, I'm proud of Aaron. Uh, he, I think he's coming home for a couple of days and – and, uh, look, he's got work to do like they all do, but I think he's got renewed enthusiasm, right? He's not sitting on the Spurs bench like his other two former teammates. So, look, he's got a chance. He's got new life, and he's got to produce, and he said as much, and you, you saw the energy. And that wasn't the cleanest game he's ever played, even though he's got 18 points. I've, I've just – I've seen so much more out of him. It, it almost looks like a baby fawn trying to become a deer. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you. When, when that kid's got his confidence, watch out. Richard, I'm curious about his shooting because it feels like that was his big reputation coming out of Vanderbilt. And we know he had a great uh, shooting year that year, but I, did he get like too much pigeonholed as just an exclusive shooter? Because he's shown a lot of, of just attacking off the uh, attacking closeouts and attacking the baskets. He had some floater, um, some mid range game there against the 76ers. Is he more of a, a kind of a, a freak athlete, like kind of a guy who can use his athleticism? Or like, did he get incorrectly just labeled as a just a shooter? Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because so in 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 little boy basketball, like I'm talking ten u twelve u, we made it to the final four national championship in Orlando, and Josiah James, who's the who's who's with uh, who's our point guard, and Rick Barnes misuses him as like Bill Lambert to get rebounds, but whatever, he was our point guard, that Aaron <laughs> shooter. But Aaron back then wouldn't shoot the ball. He was super athletic, and he would he would slice through the lane. We made it to the final four, and uh, and he was this super athletic kid that people started figuring out. You know, clog the lane, let him run you over, and let him foul out the game because he wouldn't shoot outside eight feet. So, so his this one you want to know, but his dad is like a you know bodybuilder, but his dad's like five ten, and his mom is tall, but his dad has worked him out, like worked him out. Um, you know, is, is, look, his his brother went to Harvard on academic scholarship, right? And uh, so Aaron is super, super smart, probably too smart for his own good sometimes. But but so he goes to really highfalutin high school, whatever. That's why he went to Vanderbilt. SEC meets meets uh, you know Ivy League, right? So anyway, this kid is super athletic, and if you look at all the scouting reports, they're all labeled him as the shooter. Well, the thing was, he used to not be able to shoot. And so I'm not going to say we, but he was in our program. We made him a shooter. Like Chris Middleton came home from college at Texas A&M and would like bust his little ass. And, and you know, so my point <laughs> is he's at the point now where if you ask Chris right now, they get in the gym, there's like six or eight of them and, and that, that, that come home and the alumni play against our, our, you know, young guys now. And, um, and you know, it's, it's, is Chris and Aaron neck and neck, but you know Aaron got the best of them this last summer. Every summer's different, and um, as you know, Aaron broke Tatum's record on shooting. So this is a really smart, precise kid. And I always say, you want to judge a shooter, a true shooter, watch him in the free throw line. Now that kid, 
that kid does not ever touch anything, but he's got the perfect form, the perfect free throw shot. If he misses, it's flat out nerves. And so what I, what I'm seeing is now is that, you know, look, he's trying to make it. He's young. He's on a, a team with, with a couple superstars that didn't like to pass the ball. I'm saying that. He's never said that. But but now <laughs> but now they're starting to pass it. They're playing defense, right? They actually might throw him a ball a couple times. So I think you're going to see, and this is why you guys know that I'm convinced he'll be an all-star, because he's way more athletic than Chris, but they work on the same skill set every single day. Them dudes don't go out and party. Literally all summer long, 5.30 in the morning, they're in the gym. They go get a workout. They go eat right, and then they go back and – and, and shoot all night long. So my, these, you know, they're, you know, it, it's probably going to get to the point where once, I really think the second half is going to make him feel very secure um, in the league and with the Celtics. And you're going to see a lot of stuff that he can do that right now. It just looks like he's forcing a little bit, but I've seen that kid do some amazing stuff. I've seen him, you know, annihilate Kobe white head to head in AAU. I've seen, um, um, you know, we just put him on lockdown. Kobe White can do a damn thing. And, uh, and then, but I've also seen where, you know, Aaron's the most athletic kid. And, um, you've got to remember now, I'm not talking Zion 2022. I'm talking Zion top of the world. Aaron Neesmith, what won the Gatorade player of the year in high school basketball in South Carolina ahead of Zion. Zion came in second. So this isn't an accident. The kid is incredible. I just think he's, He's like putting a little pressure on himself. I, I love – I will say after the Sixers game, I think you're going to see – you know, I, I think he's just trying to find his way is the best way to say it. But, but no, to answer your, your question, Sam, the kid's an incredible shooter. He really is an incredible shooter. And, uh, and I, it, 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 it's, I've, I've yet to see this year, a little bit last year, but I've never seen him shoot the way he – the way – you know what I mean? It's just like he's almost thinking too much. So, I don't know. If you look back at Chris's career, kind of the same way when he started Detroit and got to Milwaukee. And, you know, the more he got comfortable on his skin, the rest is history. Well, we appreciate the uh, the Aaron Neesmith update. It's going to be interesting, I think, to see. And um, thanks for uh, tuning in, Richard. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut him off there. Um, <laughs> uh Richard was jonesing to get on the pod after that 76ers game, which I uh, absolutely loved. I think the thing is interesting about Neesmith, and I think it's um, – is w- whether or not he's going to be able to get some playing time. Like, I do think we saw in his rookie season that he played better when he had more consistent role. But I think the, the Celtics have been very good over their last – whatever – whenever they got uh, started this winning streak. Ime's played a pretty short rotation – and I think like the three guys off the bench right now are clearly uh, Derek White, Grant Williams, and then I would assume Peyton Pritchard just because you, you're going to want some sort of backup point guard minutes and then maybe some Daniel Tice depending on matchup. Like the, the thing that's tough for Neesmith is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be playing upwards of 35 minutes a game at the wing. And so I don't know if Neesmith is necessarily going to get uh, an opportunity, but it does feel but like I, when he's playing with confidence and he's he can bring like a, just a lot of energy to the game. And I think White's versatility allows the Celtics to use different looks off the bench. Like if they want to go with Peyton Pritchard for more ball handling and another shooter, they can. 
but they could also just use White as the backup point guard and have wings around him. So I, I, I don't think it's necessarily like like you need to go to Pritchard just because you need a point guard. Like White could play point guard too. So. And that's fair. And like that's a way to maintain uh, really what the, like has made this team so good. It feels like their defensive versatility. Um, Pritchard has his limitations that just based on size alone and Neesmith just clearly doesn't have that. So you're right. I think there's definitely a competition there for who's going to be that eighth guy because it feels like the top seven are pretty solidified. And maybe there's not going to be a go-to eight guy. Maybe it's very much depending on matchup. Uh, and rotations and so some nights will be Neesmith some nights will be Pritchard some nights will be uh, good old Danny two blocks there but I think there's a definitely an opportunity because there's no clear person who's there and I think Neesmith might have a a little bit of an advantage just because of his athleticism and because he fits into kind of the defensive scheme that's really kind of propelled the Celtics into the conversation we're having today where we're talking about them being you know a mover and a shaker a make some noise team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, okay. So now we've gotten what what's their record? 34 and 26. Yes, so sir. So we have seen 60 games from the Celtics. I guess it's the three-quarter mark. Um let's start with Ime Odoka because he's a newcomer. He's gone through ups and downs already for sure. How would you evaluate the job Udoka has done pre-All-Star break this season? Do I have to give him a grade? I feel like I uh just 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 overall, what are your thoughts on the email experience so far? You don't have to grade him. I mean, I think it it's I'm a I'm a victim, I'm a slave to re- the results right now. But but so I like I feel like I was critical early of his process, calling him Hardo email and things like that, and like really lighten up players in the media. But you wrote that article about how much the players respect him and how much they like really know that he's in their corner. And the things that he's preached or said he wanted to emphasize going into this year were defense and ball movement. And it feels like once the team got healthy and started playing a little bit of easier schedule, caught some breaks, they've really been able to uh, play elite defense and the ball movement has been that much better. And so if you're if you're going to evaluate a coach of like how much his team gets better over the season it feels like the the Celtics um on the offensive end have taken a huge step and the defense uh has been a lot better so i think you have to you have to give some credit to Ime maybe maybe people shouldn't have been calling for his job earlier in the year maybe that was a mistake yeah it was it was quick it's still quick at this point 60 games in to evaluate Ime Udoka. like he's a first year head coach there's going to be a learning curve I do think the last 10 games, even beyond the last 10 games, uh, dating back to early January, as as bad as the competition has been some sometimes, the way the Celtics have played is really promising about the way Udoka has coached them. Because it took a while. It definitely took a while. His vision did not come to life right away. But the Celtics are starting to play the brand of basketball that he preached from the start. And I think there's a toughness to this team. They're the defensive versus like they, they built the roster for defensive versatility basically. And, and that's one of the reasons why they have one of the best defenses, but Udoka has done some smart things too. 
like tur- turning Robert Williams into, you know, the the weak side helper rather than the guy who guards centers all the time has been a really big deal. Um, then Al Horford's guarding the centers, which he does a really good job of, and and I feel like that that duo has spurred some unbelievable defense. And then the other piece of it, you know, the the habits, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're two wings who can score a lot, but haven't always wanted to pass the ball. And and maybe it's not that they want haven't wanted to pass the ball. It's just they haven't been willing enough to do it right away when the opportunity first presents itself. And now I feel like those two guys have made a huge step in on that front. And Udoka definitely deserves some credit there. Um, and so, yeah, like I mean, even even the movie just pulled it before the 76ers game with the the bulletin board material when Embiid said uh, that the Celtics were pretty easy to guard compared to the Nick Friedman Charlotte Hornets. That's some hard Oime stuff, but I love it because they were slinging the basketball around uh, against the 76ers. It does feel like the team has very much bought in. And they're like to the toughness, to the um, kind of tough love. And I think the X and O adjustment you mentioned of like putting Rob not on the biggest guy has made a, a huge difference. And this is something that uh, Scal brought sw- up. They, they don't switch him out onto like guards above the break anymore. He's normally just guarding guys in the corner. And how yeah. many times earlier in the season when like Rob was the primary rim protector, rim protector, did the Celtics just give up a bunch of offensive rebounds? Uh, now that Rob is not like that guy who's drawn, like contesting every shot at the rim, I think he's getting a lot more boards. And I think the Celtics have not, they still give up. I mean, the NBA today with like that many more threes, there's a lot like longer rebounds that's harder to control. But the Celtics don't feel like they're getting as abused on the offensive glass as they once were. And I think that's a product of, of moving Robert Williams kind of off the big man. And, I think it's it's helpful that you have a player like Rob Williams who's athletic enough to still kind of like guard the corner and recover. And I think he does a great job of uh, knowing when to come help and blocking shots from the weak side. But it's just like the personnel is working out so well. And I think it's just it's kind of a luxury to be able to stick a guy like Al Horford, who his three point shot has not been there. But Al, like just being able to put Al Horford on. Jokic or Embiid for 30 minutes a game knowing like I don't think he's going to play like the dominant defense that he once was but he's just going to play very very solid defense uh it's just like the defensive personnel once the team's been healthy it's just been it's been damn impressive and it's just like such a luxury to have those two guys in the front court looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside 
to learn more. Yeah, and Udoka, Udoka's had a lot of challenges this year. Like, even dating back to training camp, the Celt- Jalen Brown and Al Horford got COVID during training camp and missed a lot of the time when with a new coach developing a new system. Like, that's that's important time. Ime had COVID right before training camp and wasn't allowed in the gym when he would have been building relationships with guys. And so from the start, there have been a lot of challenges for him as he's tried to build the team. I think you saw the, especially once the sellers got healthy, you you saw the vision for how he wants to play. Uh, Some of the late game collapses, it's hard to tell exactly how much of that is on him, but his insistence on playing Dennis Schroeder in a lot of high leverage moments and going to Dennis Schroeder a lot in those high leverage moments, especially early, was probably a bad idea. Um the the ISO offense down the stretch again it, it's hard to tell how much of that is on the coaching because some of those guys have been doing it for years crunch time offense was an issue last year it was an issue the previous playoffs the Celtics like execution down the stretch has been something that that has hampered them for a while um, but those issues have been there and Lately, it's hard to tell because they haven't really had much crunch time. They did look good in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. They did look good in the fourth quarter against Denver. They didn't look so good in the fourth quarter against Detroit. Um, So I think you want to see Udoka continue proving it on that front. Uh, Some of that stuff is probably really hard being in charge for the first time. But I I, I do think like looking at Ime now versus even just a few weeks ago, the way the Celtics have improved in all the ways that he's been pushing them to improve is is definitely promising that that maybe the Celtics have gotten the right guy. Uh, let, let's move on to Tatum. What what have you thought of his season so far, and and like the the progress he's made, some of the things he hasn't made enough progress, whatever. I mean, he's clearly much better at making the right basketball decision and becoming a playmaker, and it feels like he's just much more comfortable with the ball in his hands. I think a lot of the struggles earlier in the year was there'd be so much attention paid to Tatum, he'd swing the ball around, and like guys would miss open shots. That Portland game comes to mind where he just had so many potential assists, but no one was knocking down open shots. And I think there's like... Clearly, when that happens, you're going to be a little more hesitant to kind of pass the ball. Um, and I think that as the team's gotten more comfortable, they've like had a lot more trust in each other. And I think it's been pretty damn good for the ball movement. I think he's been the major catalyst for that. Uh, I think adding Derek White, it's only been four games, but I think just makes the starting lineup a little bit more potent with ball movement. And I don't know if these things are connected, but... His three-point shot has seems to have come back. I think over his last 13 games, he's shooting something like closer to 39% from the from three. And just he's so much more dynamic of a player when he's knocking down that three-point shot, which is just not something that was really happening as often earlier in the year. And so I think he's made uh great strides. I think he's I think he's playing at an all NBA level right now. Um, he's, he's just been the best player on the team, and and as he's gotten a little bit better, I think the team's gotten a little bit better. And and so much of the Celtics like playoff success this year and beyond will be can Tatum be the type of player who can dominate every possession. 
right? Like the teams that win it have a guy who sets his team up just about every possession with a good play, whether it's, you know, LeBron or Kevin Durant or Giannis or whoever, Steph Curry, like guys who just on every possession make a really positive impact. And I think earlier in the season and throughout a lot of Tatum's career, uh, there would be nights when he wasn't that guy, when he was settling for bad jumpers, when he was a part of the problem. And it's not about just the field goal attempts, field goals made, the the field goal percentage. It's about can you do the right thing on every play? And that that's where he's grown the most to me is now when when he draws a second defender, it's like the ball's out quick. And he's giving other guys a much better chance to make plays off of that. And I, I think that's that's the biggest growth. And then the defense has been there. He's He's been defending at a really high level. He's rebounded at a really high level. Free throw attempts, which is one of the areas that people have been emphasizing for him as a weakness in the past. All of a sudden, you look up, he's averaging six free throw attempts a game. He, he's, he's made serious strides on that front. He's playing through contact better at the rim and not only that but making better decisions at the rim to to find guys or facilitate ball movement and so I I think there's been a lot of growth for him and it hasn't been an easy season for him the shooting has just been weird (laughs) like he's he's a great great shooter who just hasn't always shot great this season um and maybe some of that is trying to learn new habits and break old ones and figuring out how how it all works um but i think just the the way that he's been able to free up things for other guys lately has been very impressive in a way that could change the celtics for now and for years to come and for years to come eh well yeah well because that's (laughs) the type of guy you need you need tatum to be a top top five top ten guy and to get there he needs to be the type of guy who can set guys up and change his whole team's offense, not just his own. And and it feels like he's he's developing, he's he's moving toward that. Um, and and now we'll get to Jalen Brown. Uh, let, let's let's hear your thoughts on Jalen's season so far. Obviously, he was an All Star last year. He's not an All Star this season. Um, he thinks he deserved to be. He thinks he's better now, but. What what has been your thoughts uh, on the Jalen experience so far? I don't know if Jalen is demonstrably better this season than he was last season. I think he's made some strides as a playmaker, but he's like still has some moments where just the turnovers are not great. He, I don't think he has the same vision. He's much more aggressive as a scorer, and I think his shooting. Um, I don't know if the percentages will bear this out, but it feels like he's just um, a much better. Sh- oh no, he's shooting. He shot forty percent from three last year, and he's only thirty-five percent this year. But I just feel like his ability to create uh, his own shot, especially um, getting downhill, getting into the paint, the kind of like pivot moves he does, his floaters, his fadeaways, those all seem like he's very potent. Um, but I don't know if he's necessarily made leaps and bounds or huge strides as compared to last season. I think out of the starting five, he's probably the weakest defensively. I think he has tendency to kind of get beat 
off ball sometimes or make some mistakes. And so I don't necessarily think Jalen is a, an all-star this year, but I, I, I feel like this is an overly negative review, but it's just like in comparison to the growth of Tatum, I don't think um, Jalen has been a, a, as much of a Kaizen warrior. The incremental progress has not been as evident. See, I, I think they just have different roles and they're different players. I do think there's a gap between the way Tatum reads the game and the way Jalen reads the game. But I, I think, I mean, Jalen, he's averaging 4.5 assists in over eight games in February, which is good. And and you can see, like, he's recognizing where to throw the lobs. He's recognizing, like, there's well, the another... whole The whole team's recognizing when to throw the lobs. Like, they, like, having Robert Williams out there, the whole team's just like, oh, we can move the ball around and engage the big, and he's going to be the safety blanket there every single time. Yeah, and I think, uh, like, so J- Jalen, like, you're right. He, he definitely sometimes zones out on defense. Um, but he's just so physically gifted defensively. Uh, and then. And he has a different role this year in terms of, like, at least last year, like, when Kemba was healthy, it felt like that was the go to guy in terms of playmaker facilitator when the ball wasn't in Jason Tatum's hands. It feels like this year, even if they don't end, like it's not like a, a possession designed to get Jalen like as the main playmaker. There's a lot of possessions that just kind of start with Jalen as the initiator. And obviously that's going to be an adjustment period. But I think like you mentioned his assists recently, I think he has gotten better in terms of passing of just learning how to read defenses and making the right decision. Um, in kind of a, a bigger role. I'd be curious to see if like his usage has gone up compared to last year, just because it feels like he's the clear cut number two guy, even though Kemba was hurt last year, it felt like there was like, there's still a kind of a pressure to put the ball in Kemba's hands where it feels like now Ime has done it where it's like, if Tatum's on the bench, usually Jason Jalen Brown's going to be the guy on the court who's getting the basketball. Um, and so I think he's done a pretty decent job kind of adjusting to that role. Yeah, and honestly, like as as bad as some of the turnover games has been, he's not a high turnover guy either. And the twelve point one turnover rate, which you know that that's that's pretty good. And his usage is up point nine percentage points. So guess who knows ball? This guy. <laughs> and uh, and you're right. I think the adjustment for him has been bigger than probably for anyone else on the team as far as role goes because like you like you said Kemba was an offensive force even when he wasn't right all the time when he was on the court he was making things happen and Jalen was always off that playing off that and just like he was playing off other guys before that um so initiating more is is a big step for him and I think he he's learned from it already but I think there's there's more learning there to go um the thing that's frustrating sometimes I I think for the Celtics is that there are some nights when he just doesn't seem focused. Like every once in a while, it, it's not often, 
Um, and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Or he just but, like doesn't have it. There's been a couple games recently where it's just like, oh, he doesn't have lift or like he doesn't, he's dribbling off his foot or just like if it's focus or if it's just like he got visited by the Space Jam monsters, it, it does, he's not as consistently great as Tatum is. Yeah, and I think Tate, yeah. Um, and if, if, if he eliminates those games, like it would go a long way toward getting him back to all-star status, I think. And he, like, he's, he's been close to being an all-star good. Like there's, there's not a gap between him and like Jared Allen. Maybe there's a gap this season because of how Allen has impacted the, the Cavs defense. But like, obviously if, if you're deciding between those two guys, it's not like, oh, Jalen's way behind him or anything like that. Um, but now, you know, Jalen, how old is he now? 25 and, and he's still growing, but I, I think, you know, if, if you were hoping for Jalen Brown to have a chance to become a, a top five or top 10 player, like there's, there's not as much hope of that anymore, if that makes sense. Um, obviously there, there's still more for him to grow. But I think it's it's pretty clear that Tatum is the guy, and maybe it's always been clear, but that Tatum is the guy with a chance to get to that level for this team. Yeah, and I don't think I think the thing is they don't need him to be, I think, a top ten player. I think they maybe they need him to be a top twenty five player. I think the formula right here is like what you're hoping for for Celtics fans and what gives you optimism just for their chances in the playoffs is they can be the best defensive team in the league if they're currently healthy. Like that's how good off defense they've been playing uh, in 2022. And you combine that with Jason Tatum being 
just the offensive superstar he is, that's that's the winning formula to win playoff basketball. Like playoff basketball is much different, and there's like teams are allowed to game plan, and um, they're just like with their their defense playing this well, with just like the ball movement. It's not a kind of heliocentric J- only Jason Tatum uh, offense. They have other guys who can uh, hurt you. On the offensive end, Justin Jalen Brown, you just need him to be a consistent like second option so teams can't entirely load up to Tatum. And I think he kind of serves that role right now. And I think if you're a Celtics fan, you have to be pretty optimistic that if this team is healthy, I don't know if they're necessarily favorite to come out of the East. I mean, they're certainly not favorite they're to come not. out of the East. They're not. <laughs> but they're they're not a team that like anyone wants to play in the playoffs. And I like would not be surprised if they took a series or two just because defense really matters in the playoffs and it feels like they also have Jason Tatum who I think you can argue is a top 10 player in the league right now like those two it, that's the formula for playoff success yeah and those two guys being as as capable as they are defensively is what allows the Celtics to lean into defense so much because those guys can get buckets they they take a ton of pressure off other guys the way they they're moving the ball now, you know, you can see how maybe they'll they'll be they can be the centerpieces one day if if they aren't already of a pretty good offense. Um, but because they're both six seven or six eight, and because they're so athletic, and because they can guard anyone from point guards to power forwards and rebound the hell out of it, that's one thing that probably hasn't been discussed enough by us at least like Tatum and Brown they they can really rebound and and their ability to rebound uh, really helps the Celtics be solid on that front um and and because it like the Celtics they have lineups right now with just plus defenders everywhere plus size everywhere and the versatility of Tatum and Brown which you know people doubted for a while whether they could play together I think most of that was just based off you know do their worst habits (laughs) like make each other worse uh but I think it's pretty clear that their versatility um can really really help especially defensively um and if well yeah I mean if they can continue passing the ball and, and using their powers for good to help help out others like if there's another level this offense can reach then being that good defensively with those two guys to score at the end of game like like we've said that that's the formula all along now you have to get there you have to get to a place where you can create good opportunities in the clutch and have an offense that that's consistently good not just good against bad competition not just good for one nine game stretch like consistently good but but they've started to take those steps and and I, I I do think that from from the way they've played over the last 10 games to the way they were playing over the first 50 the you know Tatum and Brown have been different lately in really positive ways yeah and it, the the Celtics defense just the any number you look at they've just been absolutely insane right now Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum or Tatum is one and Jalen Brown is three in defensive win shares. Now, I don't know what that means, but I know that it's good. And the Celtics have six guys right now in the top 15, uh, including Derek White. So I don't know how much of a that actually 
matters. But he's the 15th, and they have five guys in the top 13 uh, in defensive win shares. And I looked up the formula for what exactly that definition was. It didn't make much sense to me, and I'm a bit of a nerd, so I don't expect to find folks out there uh, to also understand it. But I just think when the, you can have guys of that versatility and then you pair that with at all times, basically everyone else where they're allowed to switch one through five, like it's just very hard in the NBA to beat a defense that can switch everything. I think we've seen the Celtics really struggle on offense with defenses that can switch everything, kind of like the Toronto Raptors. The Miami Heat are the only team, I think, in the NBA who switch more than the Boston Celtics. And um, sometimes they throw a crazy zone in there, but the Celtics have kind of struggled against them. I just think it makes the team that much more dangerous where there is no place you can target right now on the Celtics defense. And that's especially helpful in a playoff series. How many times in playoff series have we seen just like, all right, we're going to go after one guy for every single possession until you figure out a way to stop. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.